Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world, but also on this episode, how to take amazing photography on your travels. And I know as a traveler, everyone wants to take better pictures, capture the moment. Uh, so today we have uh, actually an expert in the area of photography. His name is Estras. Uh, he's actually Panaman Cuban but living in the U.S. now for uh, many, many years. And uh, he's also uh, working as a chief photographer of Million Eyes. And we're going to be talking about uh, Astras, his photography, his travels, and much more. Uh, so for, to introduce yourself, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better for the sake of the people listening and watching, Astras? So, hi, Chetty. Thank you very much for having me. I much appreciate it. So my name is Estras M. Suarez. I am originally from Panama. I was raised by my Cuban family in Panama. I have now been to Cuba about 30 times. It actually, so I'm having issues. I don't exactly know whether I'm Panamanian or Cuban, because when I'm in Cuba, I fully turn Cuban, but when I'm in Panama, I'm fully Panamanian. Then again, I have spent most of my adult life in the US, so I'm a citizen of the world, if you want to call it that way. Uh, as far as photo, I've been a photographer for over, for about 25 years. I have been lucky enough to be at the right place at the right time many, many a times in my career. I have a couple of Pulitzers. Uh, I have a litany of awards, Robert F. Kennedy, headliners, uh, travel awards. Uh, it's, it's kind of a long list. It's kind of a long list. And, uh, you know, interesting enough, uh, you can, you know, you, I just finished a conference uh, the day before yesterday, New England Camera Conference. New England Camera Council Conference, there's a lot of C's in there. And I was a speaker, and I was trying to explain to the crowd that you can take the photographer out of photojournalism, but you cannot take the photojournalist out of the photographer. Uh, on June 16th of this month, you know, just this, this past month, I was on my way to Ecuador. Like the day that I woke up to go to Ecuador on that day, my wife and I, just woken up and we hear this boom, boom, boom. And my wife, who's also a journalist, goes, are those shots? And I said, no, nothing ever happens here. And boom, 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 went to boom, boom, pow, pow, boom. I'm like, oh no, those are shots. So I got up, I went to get my gear. It was all packed away. I had to put it together. I ran up to the rooftop with a long lens. I kind of saw where things were happening, but I didn't have a direct line of sight. Then I ran, so I went down the street, ran up uh, right up on a traffic ramp right in front, and just out of the corner of my eye, I got to see a man being wheeled away into uh, on a gurney into a helicopter. So I got a couple of shots of that, then ran up a little bit more, got shots of the scene. I really didn't know what I was looking at. I was the only photographer in place. I, so I called the Washington Post. I have a relationship with them. And I said, hey, guys, I have this shooting. I don't know if it's relevant. I don't know if it's big. I don't know if it's anything. But there were a lot of shots fired. Turned out to be uh, this gruntle supporter of Bernie Sanders uh, who hated everything that had to do with the Trump government. And he just opened fire on a bunch of congressmen, Republican congressmen, that were practicing for a charity baseball. So the photo was huge. It made it, uh, it was a cover of the Washington Post, LA Times, New York Times, Jerusalem Post, I mean, all over the world. So yeah, I don't do that all the time anymore, but 
that's not to say that if something doesn't happen in front of me, I won't jump at it. What, a, what an amazing story. Uh, you know, congratulations on all the accolades um, and awards um, for your photography. Uh, before we get into the photography, which we're going to cover in more depth, I'm more interested in your travels. So if you can uh, share about where have you traveled in terms of the cities, countries, continents, any favorite places so far? Huh. I think I've traveled close to 60 countries now. Um, out of those 60, I've said I've been on assignment at least in 45 of them. Um, many years ago, your, your, your viewers would appreciate this. I did a, a project with a good friend of mine, a writer. We were both newly hired at the Boston Globe, and we came up with a, a photo essay. We wanted to do a photo project called Crossing Divides. Uh, I'll send you the link so you can share with your viewers later. And crossing divides basically was going from point A to point B. And it was all about the journey, never about the destination per se. So it was about documenting daily life. And we went from uh, Khartoum, the capital of Sudan. We followed the old salt caravan, old salt caravan roads through the desert. Up, We followed the Nile River. We crossed the desert. We went up Lake Nasser, crossed Lake Nasser, and went all the way to Cairo. Uh, we went from uh, Cambodia to Laos, crossing the biggest set of rapids in the world. We went from uh, southern Venezuela into Amazonia. And then we went uh, from the easternmost part of Russia, Shukotka province. We crossed the Bering Strait into the westernmost part of the U.S., which is the town of Wales, Alaska. So, yeah, I've done my share of uh, travels. Amazing. So uh, you are uh, currently the chief photographer for Million Eyes, uh, which I recently heard about actually from my uh, friend Simon Lewis, and I joined uh, it. But uh, for the sake of the people listening and viewing, what exactly is Million Eyes? How does it work? Okay, so Million Eyes is an internet platform that allows photographers and writers to come together. As a photographer, and I, I experience this all the time because I'm always uh, giving talks at conferences, going to camera clubs. And, you know, you meet a lot of photo aficionados that they take photos all the time. And a lot of great photos never see the light of day because the photographers are not known. And the photographers are not known because nobody publishes their photos. So you, there's this bad cycle there. So Millionize was created with the idea that good photos should be shared with the public. So any, anybody can join Millionize. And right now when you open millionize.com, you will see a ton of photo boxes. Photo boxes are what we call galleries. And that I think there's close to about 500 of them right now. And the titles are, these boots are made for walking. Pink is more than a color, it's an attitude. Uh, my favorite hat, uh, looking for a gentleman, true gentleman. So the list goes on and on and on. So to put it more in context of what your viewers can relate, let's say there's a blogger in Osaka and he was just visiting the southwest of the United States, you know, the Four Corners area. And he writes to his viewers or to his readers, maybe he has a following of 10,000 followers on the other side of the world, say, hey guys, I just visited the US, went to the Four Corners area. I got to see the magnificent landscape and I got to see the cowboy culture in full swing. So let me ask you, do you have any photos that would fall within 
full-blooded cowboys. And then readers, viewers, can just log in and upload their photos. The, the blogger, the writer, becomes a curator. He or she decides which photos to keep. He or she communicates with the photographers to tell them, for example, you send a photo of a cowboy and a horse, and the writer can go, hey, this is a great photo, but I see a gas station in the background. Do you have a photo that doesn't have the gas station? So there's a direct relationship. It's a way for photographers to get eyeballs on their photos, and it is a way for bloggers and publishers to actually get custom-made relevant material for their sites. And it's completely free. There's no exchange of money. If the, the blogger doesn't get money, the photographer doesn't get money. But there's definitely a benefit. Let's say you, Chetty, take a great photo of a, you know, a camel ride near the Giza Plateau. The pyramids are in the background, and it's a gorgeous shot, and somebody sees that, somebody's looking a millionize, sees that photo, they click on the photo, your name shows up, and on your name, you put your information. So if they want to buy that photo, they go directly to you. We are just the way, and you do whatever you do with it. We're not involved with that. So I don't, the way I see it, the way it was brought to me, when they explained it to me, they didn't have anything to show me, but I sort of could see, I'm like, you know what? I think if this is anything like I think this could be, this is going to be amazing. So that's where we're heading. And I hope one day to be ringing the, the NASDAQ stock exchange or something like that because Millionize is everywhere. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait for the moment when you're ringing that stock uh, exchange. Uh, so, Astrad, uh, tell us about uh, what you feel makes a good photograph because there's literally billions and billions and billions of of pictures being taken from smartphones and point and shoots and DSLRs but uh, through your eyes through your million eyes what would you say makes an amazing photo photograph let me let me interject there for a moment you brought up a good point uh, mobile phones mobile phones are amazing the best camera in the world is the camera that you have at hand sometimes you find magnificent situations and all you have is your phone. If you know how to properly use it, you can create equally astonishing images. So do not think that the photographer needs a great camera to make great photos. It is the photographer who makes the camera, not the camera that makes the photographer. So within, within, what, makes a good within what makes a photo, a good photo, and then a great photo, there's a hierarchy of elements. There's composition, there's points of view, perspective, leading lines, lighting, quality of light, all those things. But the number one, the most important element within that hierarchy are moments, decisive moments. If you have a, a moment where two people are coming and embracing and their heads are thrown back and they're super happy, it doesn't really matter if there's a pole coming out of someone's head because that moment is so universal, so relatable that anybody can relate to it. So now, mind you, if you can get beautiful light, beautiful composition, and a decisive moment, then you're basically doing my job. You're doing what I am always striving for, which is to give you all the elements in the one photo. But you know, you can go back to some basic things. When you take a photo, do not take it from my level. Because whenever you present the viewer photos shot the same way you can see with your eyes, the brain gets to do this. Oh, I'm bored. I'm bored out of my mind. The brain takes in all this visual information. So whatever it sees as known information, right off the bat, it's not going to pay attention. So something as simple as you see a bunch of kids playing soccer, you're traveling through Central America, you're in this beautiful plateau, the waning light of the day, the kids are wearing red and green primary colors, 
and there's, it starts raining just a bit, then the mud starts splattering, and the kids are not only playing soccer, but now all of a sudden you have this amazing image. If you take that image from eye level, trust me, people are not gonna look as much as if you would have taken the time to go eye level with the children, because now you're presenting the viewer with a brand new point of view. Same thing, I can walk into a room through my many years of covering press conferences, the dreaded, boring press conferences. You walk into a room, there's a podium, a lectern, and there's somebody there with a bunch of dignitaries in the back. God, that is so boring. And if you take that photo like everybody else, nobody's gonna look at your photo. It's a photo worthy of being ignored. However, I know for a fact that if I climb on a chair in a corner of a room and I frame the people in the lectern through silhouettes of heads, that's more important, more interesting. Or if I go down and I actually take my camera down on the ground and frame it through the legs of other members of the media, now all of a sudden the photo is much more interesting. It's the very same situation, but all you did is you took the time to show a new perspective. That's the key to a great photo. Wow, uh, you know, I can see your passion uh, coming out when you talk about this subject. It's uh, I, very inspiring. <laughs> I am photography. It's, I am at my happiest when I have a camera in front of my eyes. I can have a bad day and all I gotta do is pick up my camera and my, my, my world becomes what I see through the viewfinder. It is what it is. It is what I am. <laughs> Beautiful, I love it, I love it. Uh, so uh, you mentioned defining moments, capturing the moments, the emotions, the rawness uh, of what you see. Uh, walk us through some of the other elements because you actually defined it really well. Um, you know, um, uh, tell us about those other ones. So right away, we already spoke about composition. You know, there's the famous rule of thirds. The rule of thirds is the basic thing. If you take your rectangle, you draw two lines, and you draw two more lines. And then where those lines intersect, those are your power points. If you can set your main, your focal point, your main subject in any of those points, you're creating dynamic visual tension. And that actually pays, plays into the whole role of the eye, wanting to look around into the photo. And your goal as a photographer is to have people spend just a little bit longer looking at your photo. Think about it, we are bombarded by thousands if not hundreds of thousands of images a day. The brain has to figure out a way how to sift through this and find what's good and what's not good. The images that will catch your attention are the images that are composed well, are the images that there's dynamic tension where, the, where they might be half a face to one side and one eye looking intently to the photo, or where there's a beautiful infinity leading line that leads you to your main subject. There's tons and tons of way of doing this. The best, the best thing I can tell you is, you, in order for you to become a better photographer, I have this great friend of mine who used to tell me, he's, his name is Dominic Chavez, great photographer. He said, compadre, you must look at photo books. And when you get tired looking at photo books, you look at more photo books. And you know what you do when you're done looking at photo books? You look at more photo books. Basically what he's trying to say, which I've actually gotten to understand throughout the years, is that a lot of the learning that you do as a photographer is done subliminally. If you pay attention to the work of great masters, to real masters of the craft and the way they compose and the way they capture decisive moments, sometimes you as a neophyte might look at this photo and say, I don't get it. Uh, they just won all these awards. Everybody talks about this, this being a great image, but I don't get it. But you still got to look at it and you got to keep looking at great work. 
at some point while you have that camera of yours or that phone in front of you and you're about to take a photo, it clicks, you get this epiphanies and it's like, whoa, that's what that was about. That's where this composition lies. So I'll give you another example. If you, if you, I have a, fr uh, a friend who's right now traveling through Luz Lausanne, I believe, in, in Europe, yes. And he's, you know, he's become a better photographer because I'm always coaching him. He's a childhood friend of mine. And he found this beautiful sculpture silhouetted against the, the waning light of the day. So it's now turned, it's gone from golden light where there's still sun rays to blue light, which is blue, uh, just twilight. So he's got this beautiful sculpture and there's a lake in the background and then there's uh, land on the other side of the lake. He knows because I have taught him that if he simply shoots that image and sends it to me, I'm gonna be like, so what? Show me more. So the image that he created was, the sculpture was to one side. You could see the lake. It was also a see-through sculpture, by the way. You could see the lake in the background, then you could see the, the closer shoreline, and then you could see four silhouettes of people that were walking in front of the sculpture. But those four people, their heads, was, they, were, they were not touching the horizon. Something as simple as separation of elements when you compose makes a photo magnificent. If those heads of the people will be touching with the horizon, you don't have clear silhouettes. Human beings, our brains, are designed to pay attention to other human beings for perspective, for being able to relate. So the moment you put a human figure in an image, right off the bat, the, the photo becomes a better photo. So, sounds good, Estras. Um, so uh, we've already covered photography and like the millions and millions of different pictures and how to pick a good one. There's also the other dilemma, which is how to pick a good camera. There's literally hundreds, if not thousands, of cameras in the market. What would you say makes a good camera, and how do you select the right one to buy? I mean, let's get realistic here. The first thing is your budget. <laughs> so it depends on how much money you can spend. You know. Um, I have been a Nikon guy through and through for many, many years. I started with, a, with an old film Nikon FG, some old little contraption. And, you know, throughout the years I've gone, I've actually gone into the newer models and newer models. And now I currently own a bunch of Nikon DSLRs. But uh, I, there was this uh, period of time in my life where the, where the paper that I worked for made me shoot with Canon. And they were state of the art. And to be truthful, there comes a point where if you spend enough money, they're all pretty much level. It's just a matter of preferences, a matter of ergonomics. There are certain cameras that some people say, this just feels better in my hands. You know, or the, the Nikon has the famous bayonet mount. All lenses can still fit in the old stuff. You know, so it becomes preferences. But, you know, there's, there's a, there's the consumer market, there's the high-end consumer market, then you start getting into the pro market. Uh, I can tell you, I actually right now own a little uh, mirrorless camera. A mirror, so the regular cameras, DSLRs, are very thick, very heavy. My cameras have titanium bodies, they can take a beating, they are, they're waterproof, basically, and, but they weigh a ton, and they use the system of periscopes. Basically, here's a lens, here's a camera. So the image comes through, it hits a mirror, this mirror, then the image hits another mirror, and then you see that through your viewfinder. That is called, that's what a 
uh, single lens reflex is all about. It's a periscope system. This requires bulk. Now, the new trend in cameras are called mirrorless cameras. Mirrorless cameras, they have no mirrors. They just go straight into the sensor. And what you actually are seeing through the viewfinder is a tiny TV that projects a representation of what the lens can see. So you're not really seeing through the lens, but the camera is programmed so it emulates what the lens is seeing and you have an idea. Uh, the prices can vary. My, my toy camera, my DSLR, it's $800. My professional cameras are five, $6,000. I'm not saying you have to go out there and buy that, but you need to really do your research. You know, there's something called a crop sensor versus a full sensor. Uh, on a crop sensor cameras, they're cheaper. Uh, a lens that it says that it's supposed to be a 16 to 35, it's really not a 16 to 35 because the, the camera sensor doesn't see the full 16. You gotta multiply that by a factor of 1.4. Now we're closing, we're talking closer to what is that? 16. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to do math. 16 multiplied by 1.4. 22, 22, 23. So what you thought you were buying that is a camera that sees a lens that sees this much with this camera now in reality that lens sees this much. That's the bad part about it. However, a camera that is a lens that is supposed to be a 200. In reality, on the telephoto end of it, it's a 280 because it narrows the view and it goes much further. So you got to do your research, but it's all based upon your budget. Just read it up. There's a lot of great reviews of cameras out there. But again, don't disregard your phones. A phone well used, a phone well understood will get you through beautifully. So if someone has a phone, which most of us do, and some of us don't like carrying the big DSLR on a neck because of the heaviness and the safety issue, also the breakability issue, the heaviness factor, uh, what would you say uh, you could do to take better pictures with your iPhone, your Android, your Samsung, any smartphone? Okay, I'm gonna make your viewers very, very happy because the state of photos in the internet, the number, you know what's the number one kind of photos? out there right now selfies selfies most photos out there right now are all selfies people are all about taking selfies i'll give you one clear example how to take us okay never take a selfie straight on like this because when we do this our heads go back nobody looks good like that that is not natural the best way to take a selfie is from the side and at an angle why is that and, and you gotta do it high. Because whenever you shoot from above to down, it slim, slims you down. Whenever you turn your head sideways, it activates this muscle right here. This is called the SCM muscle. That elongates your image and just makes you look better. So remember that, take him high and from an angle and sideways, that's one. The other thing, when you take photos of people that are full body, do you know how when you take a photo of a person, uh, Somebody gives you their, their phone and say, would you please take our photo? And you take a vertical shot of them standing side by side. When you hand them the photo, they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> thank you. You know why? Because they don't like it. You know why they don't like it? Because 90% of the people out there do not know how to use the phones. The phone has a convex lens in it, a convex lens, which is a wide-angle lens, meaning that in the center is accurate to reality when you see is what your eyes can see. But if you put the people 
either on the top of the lens or the bottom of the lens, you're already distorting the humans. So when you photograph somebody at eye level and it's a vertical shot, their torso is gonna look longer and their bottom is gonna look tinier. So the best way to photograph vertically is you take your phone and you put it about belly level. So basically we're talking about doing this. This is where you take a photo. And when you give this their, their phone to them and they see how they actually look, they're gonna love you. Now, the other extreme of that is you wanna make somebody look long, lean, and thin, you go down to the ground and you put your phone on the ground and you shoot them from below. The same optic aberration that affects people's foreshortening in the top makes them longer if you photograph them from the bottom. There you go, selfie 101. Ricky, are you there, my friend? Technical difficulties. Ricky? Good? For the viewers out there, I believe we're having technical difficulties. Ricky bounces all over the world, so he's always trying to capture whatever signal he's got going on. So that's what the delay is all about. I'm pretty sure he's gonna fix this in post-production. Ricky, can you hear me? Hmm. Ricky, can you hear me? Um, I apologies. Uh, there was a little bit of a bad internet here, so but I, I heard you answer there. Uh, were you able to finish what you were saying, uh, Astros? I believe I did. Yes. Um, okay. Um, so Estraza, you uh, obviously made it as a photographer, you know, thanks for all the tips here. Uh, what do you feel is your vision going forward for your uh, life, for your travels, your photography, any must-see must places that you really, really, really want to capture through photography? You know what? The more I know, the more I realize I know nothing. Hmm. Ricky, I'm back. Can you hear me now? Yeah, keep Yeah, keep going. Okay, I'm sorry about that. So the more I know, the more I the more I realize I really know nothing. You know, just like the famous Greek philosopher said, um, the world is so big. There's so much I want to see. You won't believe this, but I have never been to India. I am right now working on with someone who is, uh, might be a client of mine, who might take me to India for a private workshop for a whole week. I am just giddy with excitement with that one. I also just opened my own uh, uh, photo tour for workshop company. It's called EMS Photo Adventures. And my next, uh, I just came back from Ecuador. Uh, the, I did the maiden program. That was amazing. We spent time in Quito one day, and then went up. We went up to Cuenca. Cuenca is this beautiful colonial city in the mountains, and we had the background of Corpus Christi. So they they do fireworks every night. They're sweet vendors. It's really, really a gorgeous location. I highly recommend people to, 
if you go to Ecuador, you gotta visit Cuenca. So with EMS Photo Adventures, I, I have a, an upcoming workshop in Boston. It's two days. It's one day of street photography, and then one day where we're actually gonna go to Salem on Halloween night. There's 100,000 people in costumes just begging to be photographed. So I'm taking my people out there, and that's gonna be really exciting. The photos there have always been amazing. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's funny, I don't know that many photographers that go there just for the purpose of photographing. So we're also heading back to Panama. I was just in Panama a couple of weeks ago, scouting for an upcoming location. I got to go up to the Chagres River and spend some time with the indigenous Embera people. And that was really, really cool. Um, with the million eyes, you know, I travel sometimes, I do videos for them, learning, learning conferences of sorts. And they've got me traveling all over the place too. Uh, places I want to go see, I, I want to go to Madagascar. I want to go to New Zealand. I want to go to Australia. And let me tell you that the list of the places that I want to go to is so much stronger than the places that I have been to. The world is your back, it's our backyard and we got to get to know our patio basically. That's what it is. Yeah, same with me. I've been to about 68 countries now and uh, there's so many places I still want to go and I'm a writer so I like writing about it but I know after this interview I'm going to be taking better pictures. I love the idea of the, uh, you know, shooting from your stomach, shooting below. So uh, I'm going to definitely implement uh, your strategies today. Uh, thanks for your time and uh, uh, to end off with, uh, how can people find you? Tell us about uh, the websites and social media, uh, how they can connect with you. So you go to Millionize. That's with a Z, millioneyes.com. And that's us. That's the platform that allows you photographers to connect with readers and bring audiences to look at your work. You can look, at my, you can look for my name, and I'm assuming Ricky is going to put the spelling of my name there somewhere because it's kind of weird, but it's Estres M. Suarez. So once you find my name, a barrage of images are going to show up. And then my company, uh, travel companies, EMS, photo adventures. But once you find Estra Sim Suarez, everything just comes in together. And you'll find Millionized, you'll find EMS photo adventures, and you'll find my stuff. Um, I'm all about helping people. When I was learning to become a better photographer, you know, I had so many, so many people that were never selfish with their knowledge. Like I would ask, how did you take that photo? Why did you decide to make it this way or that way? And they always helped me. So if I ever get any consultations of people asking me stuff about photography, I say, bring it. I'm here to help. It's my pleasure. I'm all about photography. And if I can make you a better photographer, then I'm a happy guy. Well, hey, thank you for your time today. Uh, great insights. And I love your passion, your energy, and your enthusiasm for photography. Thanks, and you're gonna send me a link to this, right? <laughs> of, of course I will, definitely. Okay, man, take care, see ya. Bye, Ricky. Okay, yeah, uh, thanks everyone for watching this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you not only how to take, uh, uh, you know, uh, better pictures, but, uh, uh, you know, how to take better pictures with a selfie, uh, with, uh, uh, with a smartphone, with a DSLR, how to uh, choose a camera, and much more. And if you are interested in any questions or any follow-up or a deeper dive into photography, make sure you check out Estrada. 
uh, a straw sorry not a strata a strass on his website on his social media and maybe even join one of his photography tours and i'll have the links below if you're watching this they'll be on the youtube under youtube description and if you're listening to this they'll be on itunes on the show notes so thanks everyone for tuning into this episode and we'll see you on the next episode happy travels